What's up, walkers? This is Brett, and I'm here to give you an all-too-soon, paint-is-not-even-dry reaction to Star Wars The Last Jedi. I apologize that it's just me here today. Uh, I swear I don't prefer it this way, but Jeff could not be here, Lana got hit by a street Zamboni, and Alan couldn't be here, so I'm going to talk to you about this movie myself. Uh, we're not quite ready to give you our official reviews for this movie. I think you all know, as dedicated Star Wars fans, that it takes multiple viewings to really let your feelings settle. So we'll be bringing you that in the coming weeks. Uh, first of all, just want to remind people uh, that if you're looking to subscribe to our podcast, please do so on iTunes. Search for The Skywalk. Sky as in sky, walk as in W-O-K, like the thing that you cook in. And please leave us a review, uh, whether it be positive, negative, or tepid. Uh, Facebook, we are facebook.com slash SWOverCoffee. Twitter, at, at SWOverCoffee. And Podomatic, StarWarsOverCoffee.Podomatic.com. Uh, to find our podcast. I'm going to tell you that I am not going to edit this episode of the podcast, so I'm going to try to be concise. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, uh, but hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, something that we have coming soon before we get into our main topic, uh, we will be giving out awards for this movie. Things like Most Improved Character, MVP, uh, best New Artist or something like that for Best New Character. Uh, best Creature, Ship, Location, all that fun stuff. Uh, we're going to do that in an upcoming episode. I'll post the full categories on Facebook so that uh, you all can weigh in and vote for your favorites. Today, uh, part of this initial reaction, again, these were kind of molten, unsettled reactions upon having seen Star Wars The Last Jedi for the first time last night uh, at the first showing. Um, but we're going to talk, talk about five things. Uh, first, things we were right about uh, when what we expected going into The Last Jedi. Things I, uh, I say we, I mean I. Uh, things I disliked. Uh, then I'm going to break down a lot of the characters and kind of assess how I feel they were handled in this movie. Uh, then things that I liked. And then issues going forward because things leave off in a place where the future is very uncertain. So uh, let's get right into it. Uh, first of all, uh, I love this movie. Uh, I've said on the podcast before, and it probably got cut out as part of some tangent, that it's very rare to go into a movie nowadays and be able to say unequivocally that you love a movie. And I cannot say unequivocally that I love this movie without qualms because I do have complaints, uh, which I'll get into. But I really did love it. Part of this is because uh, let's get into what we were right about. Uh, if you listen to our pregame show before you watch Star Wars The Last Jedi and took our advice, then you might have enjoyed the movie more. Uh, I know I did. Uh, we did say that maybe you should have a little drink to help you relax before watching Star Wars The Last Jedi because we're too intense sometimes and we put this insane amount of pressure on it, like Superman's laser vision. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it doesn't turn coal into a diamond. It could turn diamond into a coal. A coal. Um, so I, I did that, had a little bit of grappa, if you don't know what that is, it's like an Italian, some kind of alcohol, a little whiskey maybe, possibly, I don't know. Um, I followed my own advice, and, and that did help me relax. I just thoroughly enjoyed the experience. I wanted to enjoy the experience of seeing a Star Wars movie for the first time, because sometimes, you know what, you realize later on that the movie's not even that good, but when you were watching it, it felt like the best thing you'd ever seen, and that's what I was hoping for either way, and, and that worked for me. Um, 
What else were we right about? We joked, as did many, 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 many people on the internet, that possibly, maybe, would Chewie actually eat a porg? Well, guess what? He cooked porgs, people. Um, By the way, I will uh, mention at the beginning of this episode that it is spoilerific. Uh, I will put that on there. I haven't mentioned it yet, but I will. Um, But yeah, Chewie, as you know, I'm assuming you all saw the movie because you're listening to a spoiler-filled reaction to it. Um, Of course, he didn't eat it, but look, Chewie, it's dead, okay? The damage is done. You might as well just eat the thing. Um, So we were right about that. I didn't expect Luke to go all castaway uh, on Jedi Mountain and spear a giant space haddock or milk a... I, let's just leave that one alone. Um, like, buy me a drink first, Luke. Uh, and is that where blue milk comes from? Uh, I, I, I read online somewhere that maybe that was green milk. If maybe that's a thing now. So apparently all colors of lightsabers are represented in milk. Uh, we were right about Luke dying. Uh, we were right about none of the new cast being killed off. Uh, I was right, Jeff and Alan were wrong, that uh, Kylo wouldn't kill his mama. So Kylo, he did have the chance, but he didn't do it. Uh, Someone else took the chance to try to do it, and she survived, as we know. And by the way, uh, now Princess Leia is Mary Poppins, y'all. So look out Yondu. Um, I was surprised that they cared enough about Admiral Akbar to kill him off. That might sound strange, but... Uh, Akbar and Nia Num were kind of, uh, speaking of castaways, they were just kind of thrown into The Force Awakens as fan service, and they weren't really dignified. That's something we've talked about in the past. Um, but the fact that they cared enough to kill Akbar off, uh, as you may or may not know, the actor who did the voice for Admiral Akbar passed away some time ago. I don't remember if it was during the filming of this movie or after, uh, but he did die, so that's probably why they killed off the character in sort of a, you know, anticlimactic way. Um, but hey, Nia Num is a survivor, people. It's a real survivor theme here. Castaway, survivor. Um, so that's kind of what we were right about and how are some of our expectations played out. And I'm sure we're going to talk about, uh, we'll, we'll review our predictions on a later episode. Uh, but we did get some things right. Uh, let me just get into my criticisms. Okay, so let's just start at the beginning. Uh, and, and again, I love this movie. So I just have a natural impulse to want to let you know what I didn't like and get that out of the way before we can revel in the wonders of The Last Jedi. Criticisms. Uh, The opening crawl was not a great opening crawl, as opening crawls go. The one for The Force Awakens was really, really good. Um, But this one, I would give a three out of five. We didn't really need to know any of it. It didn't really add any mystery to anything. And we kind of knew that this could be a problem going in, right? Because we knew that this movie was going to pick up right where the last one left off. So what are you going to say? Uh, is it going to start with, if you remember, <laughs> Luke is hanging out on the island and, and Ray's arm is tired. Um, so there wasn't really anything in there that we needed to know. It wasn't that interesting. It started with a sort of mediocrely paced scene, I felt. Uh, the whole thing with the First Order fleet at the command of General Hux. Uh, and then Poe Dameron toying with him, which I really enjoyed the humor. Uh, this movie was very funny, by the way. Uh, but I felt like it probably should have started right on the island. I think that would have drawn people in a little more from the beginning. Uh, something else I found a little strange is that everyone was expecting it to be darker. 
And I don't require that a sequel be darker, but I think a lot of people were expecting that it would be. And yet somehow, to me, it felt like the most kiddie Star Wars movie since the prequels. And again, I am not here to bash this movie. I loved it. But it did feel really kitty. Um, it truly felt like a Disney movie. And I'm not cynical about that. I had a lot of faith in Disney not to insert the Disney magic into what they do with Star Wars. I thought they were smart enough to keep their hands out of it that way. Um, but this really does feel like a Disney movie, meaning there's a lot of magic figuratively, uh, a lot of wonderful things that happen, but also things that uh, seem totally intended to play to eight-year-olds. Things where if on the Blu-ray a link appeared during that scene to a page where you could buy Magic Kingdom park tickets, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, they explain everything out loud. And if there's m my biggest criticism of this movie is that every time something happens, someone has to tell you what's happening. They're not letting you uh, figure it out for yourself, not letting you fill in the blanks. Uh, here's just one quick example. Uh, at the end of the movie, when Ray finds that the cave that the Resistance people are trying to get out of is covered with rocks, yes, we know she's thinking back to uh, moving rocks on the island and how the Force is not about moving rocks. Like, we were all thinking it. She didn't need to say it. She didn't need to talk to herself, okay? She wasn't even talking to anyone. And guess what? If kids didn't get that, if kids weren't immediately thinking back to her moving rocks on the island, great. That's what is amazing and rewarding about watching these movies as you get older. When I was a kid, I got hooked on this. And part of it was because I didn't understand anything. And when I was a teenager, I remained hooked because I was going back and watching them again and understanding. I was unlocking new uh, layers and levels of complexity that I didn't understand the last time around when I had watched them. And that's part of what made the original trilogy so great. Unfortunately here, I felt like there's nothing that's not explained to you. They're not leaving a whole lot to the imagination. And I think that's just a disservice to everyone. It's a disservice to the kids watching the movie. It's a disservice to the adults who want to be a little more challenged uh, and maybe a little more dignified uh, you know, for the filmmakers to think that maybe we can actually fill in the blanks. Um, it also, in a very Disney way, seems to want to teach us a lesson at every turn. And the thing is, the lessons in the movie are fantastic. I really, really love some of the lessons, uh, especially the lesson with uh, Vice Admiral Haldo, uh, which we'll get to in a bit. But uh, in the original trilogy, they didn't have to comment on everything. Uh, Lando had a mine, right? Great. Live and let live. There was no social commentary about Lando's mind. We don't know how he treated his workers. We don't know if they had health insurance or not. It didn't matter. That wasn't the point of the movie, even though it did teach you great qualities, great life lessons, uh, but a little preachy here. Um, also, another little qualm, it feels like there's no serious leadership in this movie. Uh, people don't take things too seriously. There are not a lot of consequences to people's actions. There are no real adults on the dark side. Um, I, I, I saw a thumbnail online in some article. of a. It was a grab from Return of the Jedi when Emperor Palpatine arrives at the Death Star. And you know what? Everyone's lined up in fear and reverence for Emperor Palpatine. And it's hundreds, if not thousands, of stormtroopers and Imperial Guard and whoever else. Uh, it's like a, it's a big deal. 
And in this movie, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like there's kind of just this little pocket of cronies and uh, none of them are that imposing. And it just feels like there's, there are no real adults. Um, and, and I guess that's part of this feeling like a movie made deliberately for kids. Um, generally, the original trilogy was, uh, hey, quiet down, kids. The adults are talking here. Um, now there's no more kids table. The kids are sitting with the adults, and it's kind of a disservice to both. But anyways, let's get on to the characters. Um, Snoke. I, I expected Snoke to be my most improved character in this movie, and maybe he's still in the running. Um, but he's basically Whitey Bulger. He's kind of dumb. Uh, I mean, he took Kylo, who was like 50-50, right, on the fence, whether he's good or bad. And he takes Ray, who is at least 75% good, if not more, and invited them to dinner. And surprise, they killed everyone. So that doesn't really reflect well on Snoke. And it just he just kind of dropped down in my book. There was kind of no... If you look at even the way Thrawn is portrayed on the Rebels series, he's always one or two or three steps ahead of the Rebels. And again, to think that there's no uh, mastermind in all of this uh, is a little bit disappointing. Captain Phasma. Well, you can take the Phasma out of the trash, but you can't take the trash out of Phasma's character. She's still horrible. Uh, I minded her slightly less, but maybe it's because she seemingly had even less lines than she did in The Force Awakens, which I didn't think possible. Uh, Benicio Del Toro. Uh, no less disappointing than he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He kind of did nothing here. He had a weird speech impediment. Um, I assume that was supposed to be charming, but it wasn't. Uh, Laura Dern as Vice Admiral Halto. Yes, Laura Dern, I think, was one of the best characters in this movie. Um, I thought that it was a great twist, what they did with her, what they led you to believe about her and how things actually ended up in reality. I love the moral of that story, uh, that real heroes aren't concerned about looking like heroes. I thought that was wonderful. It taught a lot of lessons about the assumptions that Poe made that were almost always wrong. Um, so let's talk about Poe. Poe should probably spend the rest of his life in space Guantanamo for his war crimes. I don't even know if they're crimes. Uh, it's probably not murder, but more manslaughter because they were done in ignorance. Um, Poe just seems to trip over himself for the entire movie and doesn't seem any better off. Um, it, it, again, I, there are things here in the movie where it seems to return to status quo and, not an, and that's almost never a good thing. Uh, and Poe just seemed to make a lot of mistakes as the movie went on and not really learn from them until the end. And we'll see if he even did. And I say that because we also have Finn, who Finn seemingly learned his lessons by the end of Force Awakens. But now they've completely reset him to being a cowardly, uh, <clears throat> cowardly individual who just wants to run away at every opportunity. And he's also not very bright in this movie. Um, so I didn't think that they expanded Finn the way that I hoped they would. Um, and, you know, maybe if they had let him die to save the resistance at the end of the movie, um, maybe that would have had him grow as a character, even though he'd be dead now. Um, but I also do like the way that twist turned out. Uh, Hux, 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 Hux. Uh, I think Hux has been accepted for what he is, which is a punchline. 
Uh, I can't for the life of me figure out why in the world Kylo Ren keeps him around. Maybe it's just because he needs someone to toss around and it's not as rewarding to punch walls as it is to punch Hux in the face. As I imagine that would be very, very enjoyable. Um, And uh, another slight criticism is uh, there are moments in the movie, I mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy earlier, I think Star Wars has repeated a little bit of the mistake that they make in Guardians of the Galaxy where they um, get a laugh for the sake of a laugh and sometimes it's not quite in character. There's a scene toward the end of the movie when the First Order forces are closing in on the Resistance base on Crate, and Kylo issues some command and Hux basically repeats it and they all look at him like, what's wrong with you? And it's haha, it's funny. But again, we're supposed to take Kylo seriously. He's supposed to be the scariest dude in this movie. And certain things like that take away a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about Yoda. Uh, I'm pretty sure weed is legal on Jedi Mountain and Yoda has a steady supply somehow. Uh, He's more like when Luke first met him than ever, which I think that was good and bad. Uh, He was kind of silly. Some of it kind of didn't make sense. Lost a little bit of the gravitas that Yoda had built up by the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, But it was fun. And the fact that he was very puppety. um, He's, he's again, a force ghost, of course. But he looks very puppety. Maybe a little too puppety, but I'm okay with that. It looks like the practical effect that was used in Empire Strikes Back. And it looked really cool. Uh, Lastly, I want to talk about John Williams. Uh, Again, this is a molten, very unsettled reaction to this movie, and I know my feelings will change over time, and I'm sure yours will too. But right now, I'm still not impressed with John Williams' work. Uh, John Williams is kind of Peyton Manning towards the end of his career, especially like that last year, where he's not losing the game for anyone, but he's certainly not doing anything special. And uh, he's surrounded with good enough talent that the movie still wins. Uh, But John Williams' work, most of it is repurposed from The Force Awakens and even from the original trilogy at times, and he's not really bringing a lot new to the table, which again fits the Peyton Manning analogy. All right, (sighs) take a breath and a sip of coffee. Let's talk about what I liked. Everything else in this movie I absolutely loved. Um, It's a ton of things that I loved. The, the Snoke throwdown scene, which is how I will refer to it, where Kylo brings Rey to Snoke and Snoke's Praetorian Guard, who I assume are the Knights of Ren. They don't explicitly say it, but hey, you know what? Credit to you, Ryan Johnson, for not slapping us over the head with an explanation on that. I think we can just make that inference ourselves because we're smart enough adults to do that. Um, that scene, uh, what happens in it Uh, Kylo sort of turning and joining Rey. Normally seeing the bad guy join join forces with the good guy doesn't always or doesn't usually work in movies. See Spider-Man 3 when Harry Green Goblin teams up with Peter Parker, which was ridiculously stupid. But here it worked incredibly well. The fight scene is maybe I'm just feeling the adrenaline still, but it's one of my favorite scenes I've ever seen in any movie ever. Not even just for a Star Wars. It was incredible. And Kylo's uh, seeming compassion for Rey, where he tells her the truth that she's known all along, 
and we're, we can speculate about whether or not that's actually the truth. But when he tells her that her parents were no one, they were they were trash on Jack Who that were good for nothing and got a pauper's grave. Um, and then he tells her, no one cares about you, but I do. That that scene, which was much better than the way I just repeated it incorrectly, uh, it was absolutely beautiful. I turned to Jeff. Uh, I did punch Jeff many, many times during the movie last night. And that was one of them. I thought that was just an incredibly beautiful piece of dialogue. And you really, really felt it. I, I don't think anything touched my heart like that scene in the movie. And it was incredible. Luke Skywalker. Uh, I don't know that I agree with everything that happens with him. I think they dumbed him down a little bit too because, you know, gener- like over 30 years, I refuse to think that he regressed somehow despite of everything that he was doing and every, all the progress that he had made in the original trilogy. But here, here we are on Jedi Mountain and he, he's kind of dumb. He's kind of just bitter and burnt from some of his bad experiences in life. But he's great. His character is wonderful. Mark Hamill did an incredible job, I really thought. Uh, Luke Skywalker is just lovable in this movie. And you start to question him. You're suspicious of him and you're suspicious of his motives. But it was all done in a really thoughtful way. And I thought it was fantastic. Jedi Mountain, Octo, was as fascinating as the caretakers were funny. Uh, There was some great humor with the caretakers on the island and their... uh, um, their relationship with Ray. Uh, that was really funny stuff. And the mountain itself was pretty mysterious. Uh, there was the really cool stuff when Ray went to the basement of the Alamo, the basement of Octo, uh, and really found out some deep truths about herself. I thought that was fascinating. I was just on the edge of my seat. It was so intense, um, but very rewarding and very thoughtful. Crate, uh, the planet Crate, I, I didn't expect it to be such an afterthought because I felt like by the time we got there, it was just kind of the end icing on the movie. I thought it would have a more substantial role. But again, that's why it's wrong to get expectations in our head. Um, I, I, I really thought it was going to be way earlier in the movie. So I was surprised that it was the, at the end and that they spent so little time there. Uh, given the two-hour and 35-minute runtime of the movie. But, man, it was gorgeous. Uh, The crate resistance uh, ski speeders or whatever they were called, those were really cool. Uh, They felt super clunky. We had talked about Dunkirk a while back and how awesome it felt to have, like, the, the, the nuts and bolts rattling inside the cockpit so you could feel how difficult it was to fly those ships. And I feel like you really got that, even though some of it looked... A little too CG at times, but you really did feel the kind of flimsy nature and Poe kicks through a panel in the floor at one point. We've all had a car like that. Uh, So I thought that was really, really, really cool. I loved Crate. Uh, The Crystal Foxes, the Vulptexes, uh, they looked beautiful. The sound of those things moving might be one of the highlights of the movie for me, Uh, even if they weren't as mysterious as Kathleen Kennedy led us to believe they would be because she said that, people. Um, But really, this movie, I just thought it was amazing. Um, Luke Skywalker, his interaction with Rey, the story between them and Kylo. The scenes where Rey and Kylo are communicating uh, across the galaxy, uh, those scenes were so good and so intense. And you just had, I had no idea what was going to happen next in their relationship. And I loved the way they were brought together and sort of saw eye to eye. Uh, at at, at a certain point and kind of faced uh, sort of a literal crossroads where (laughs) they literally split a uh, lightsaber in half. Um, 
But I thought all of that was handled beautifully. I love that they just let their imagination run wild in this movie, which I think was most people's biggest criticism of The Force Awakens is that they didn't do that. Everything in The Force Awakens looked like something from another Star Wars movie, and that is not the case with this movie. Um, so I, I loved it. I can't wait to see it again. I'll be seeing it two more times, uh, most likely before we even record our next episode with Jeff and Alan and Lana, whoever is around. Um, love it. Was super happy. Uh, going forward, um, I have some concerns going forward because I got to the end of this movie and I thought it ended really nicely. Uh, there, the very end of this movie, there's a kid on the casino planet of Canto Bight um, who seems to have some force ability and it seems to be implying that there's going to be this new generation. Uh, whether they're called Jedi or not, they will be force users. And I thought that was really nice, but I kind of wondered what's left to know. I think with The Force Awakens ended, uh, I mean, it was a literal cliffhanger, and I'm glad that this movie was not. But I also feel like I learned everything I need to know. Now, we don't know who Snoke is, but maybe we never will. And I'm kind of okay with that. I'm really not sure what else we need to know. Uh, Kylo kind of reverted to his state of just straight-up evil, which is a little disappointing because it felt like he had, he had grown. He had seen something better and it seemed like a plot device to just have him regress right back to just being evil. Yes, it's Vader-like, but it's kind of weird. I've been predicting all along that he would definitely turn good, uh, that he would definitely be redeemed, and that has not happened. And it looks like it's even harder for that to happen now, not because the filmmakers can't make it happen, but it would be harder to make it make sense. It's like he's seen so much that if he hasn't turned already uh, even seeing uh, or being in the presence of his mom or close by, if that didn't do the trick, and if having this bond with Ray, where she was so compassionate to him, if that didn't do the trick either, I don't see anything else making sense uh, in terms of redemption for Kylo Ren. Also, no Luke Skywalker going forward and no Princess Leia going forward. And it was really strange to me that Luke had to not be present to fight Kylo Ren. I don't quite understand why he had to not actually be there. Would he not have accomplished the same thing if he was there fighting Kylo Ren in, in person? All he really needed to do was buy them time. Unless, you know, his only way of... I, I feel like he should have been able to do what Obi-Wan did in A New Hope. Uh, so it kind of didn't make sense to me that here it is. It turns out that he wasn't actually there. He's still on the island. He's alive and well. And it would have been wonderful, I thought, if the movie just ended that way with Luke being this legend who's still out there, but he's, a, he's kind of reached this other status of Jedi that's like, you know, pretty much Yoda levels, right? Uh, but instead he just dies. And I just wondered why they couldn't just, once they knew that Carrie Fisher was, was no longer with us, couldn't they have just cut those three seconds where he disappears and sign him on to episode nine? So I think they, they must be paying J.J. Abrams a buttload of money to figure all of this out because he's in a very unenviable position uh, because of where he's left, uh, what he's left with in terms of the original cast, which is pretty much no one. Um, other, other than Chewie and R2 and 3PO, which is great, uh, but he doesn't have any of the big three. And the where, where things leave off in terms of the story. 
it's hard it's hard to imagine the same levels of excitement uh, when episode nine rolls around. But you know what? I have no doubt that they will find a way. As we all know, J.J. Abrams is, if nothing else, the master of movie trailers. So I am certain that in about a year and a half from now, we will see the most amazing trailer we've ever seen for a Star Wars movie for Star Wars Episode Nine. So that's about it for my reactions. Uh, we're going to, again, we'll be back next week with our full crew uh, talking about this movie in a much more fun way where we probably make fun of each other and uh, like we usually do. Uh, meanwhile, uh, very quickly, just in the news, you've probably heard about Disney taking over Fox or some component of Fox. Not going to bore you with the details here, but basically they're just buying up anything that they can to include in their library for their upcoming streaming service. And the best way I think I can describe it is like when you're playing Monopoly and that first stroll around the board, you just buy up everything you land on because you just need to get as much as you can. Um, and then you just hope that you can make some of your money back before the bills start rolling in when you when you land on other people's uh, property. And that's, and that's what Disney's doing. And of course, they're not alone on the board. They're competing with Netflix and other streaming services. So it's kind of like all of these companies now are just circling the board, buying everything they can get their hands on, gobbling everything up, creating monopolies uh, for their streaming services so they can all be... It's, it's like a kaiju battle between these big corporations. It's kind of scary. Uh, but that's what's going on. I know that we'll talk about in the, in the weeks and months to come how some of this will work out well for the consumer. I'm sure some of it will not, um, you know, but we'll talk about that. Speaking of evil corporations, I just want to tell you listeners one last thing before I sign off about Facebook. Facebook is the most despicable, insidious company I can think of. Now, granted, Mark Zuckerberg does many wonderful things with his money, with his kajillions of dollars, does a lot of charity work, and I think that's all wonderful. But Facebook as a thing is despicable. And I say that because we want to get content to you users. You, you users want to get content to your friends, and Facebook won't really let you do that anymore. If you notice your feed, you're not seeing the things that you want to see. You're seeing the things that Facebook wants you to see. I'm not just going off on a random tangent here. This actually affects the sky walk a great deal because we really want to get the word out to as many people as we can. And the only way we can really do that is not just by sharing it with our friends because half the time they still don't see it. Um, you actually have to pay money to promote your stuff. So it's become a commercial endeavor, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. And we've actually done that. We've actually spent money to the extent that we can reasonably uh, to promote our posts uh, for the Skywalk for our episodes because we really, really believe in it. We really feel very confident that we have a really good, really entertaining thing going here and we want to share it with as many people as possible. So what I'm saying is, please share this with your friends, share it with as many people as you can, because spending money, giving money to Facebook, we'll keep doing it if we have to, uh, to build up our audience and to get more people onto our podcast, to build up the community so that we have more of a dialogue with everyone listening to the show that enjoys the show, so we can provide more high quality content. But spending money and giving time to Facebook is not a good use of anybody's resources. So please help us out if you can. Again, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, give us a like on Facebook. Share with your friends. And uh, we love hearing from you all. So please chime in with your comments, your opinions, your disagreements with everything we say on this podcast.